When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stephen Moore is with us, economist, with more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. My great friend, John Katsimides, for allowing me to do this show every Saturday at 1 p.m. Uh, and then also at 4 p.m. So uh, on Sunday. So uh, it's a pl- pr- pleasure and privilege. I want to get right down to it. There's so much to talk about uh, today and this uh, that of the events of the week. And I want to start with something that uh, I think is really troubling. Obviously, inflation is the big economic story of the week. Uh, it is getting worse, folks. It is not getting better. Let me say that again. It is not transitory. It's not going away. It is getting worse because we are flushing the U.S. economy uh, in Washington with more and more and more money, with paper money. And uh, it's almost like we're dumping $100 bills out of helicopters. And for those who work hard and earn their money, that means your paycheck shrinks. Inflation is a killer. It's the, the unfairest and unkindest tax of all. When Joe Biden says, I'm not going to tax anybody who makes less than uh, $400,000 a year, he is lying. He's lying. He already has lied about this because every time you fill up your tank, every time you go to the grocery store, every time you buy an airline ticket, every time you want to rent a car or buy a new car, you are paying an inflation tax. Now, when Trump left office, inflation had averaged during his presidency about one and a half to two percent, which is about where you want it to be. Inflation rises just a very little bit to to uh, keep pace with the growth of the economy. We've gone from one and a half to two percent inflation in ten months to six point two percent inflation, and producer prices. Those are the prices that people who make things, the businesses that make things, the costs that that it it takes to make things with the energy costs and the lumber costs and all of the trans translation uh, transition costs, those are up 8.2%. That means consumer prices are going to go up, right? Because if producer prices go up, what do producers do? They're going to have to raise their prices at the cash register that you and I pay. So this is a crisis. This is a crisis. And it is a man-made crisis. It's not, it's not due to the pandemic. It's not due to some kind of act of nature. This is dumb politicians that have fooled around with our money supply, and they think that somehow printing money is going to make us rich. Well, folks, (laughs) again, you don't have to be a PhD in economics to understand that uh, when that has been tried, printing money in Mexico, in Argentina, in Venezuela, in Bolivia, in Zimbabwe, in all of these other countries, every time in history that is tried, what happens? Countries get poor because their their currency keeps falling and falling and falling in value and people start holding gold or they start start holding silver. And and now we see people buying Bitcoin and other uh, 
cryptocurrencies because they don't trust the value of the dollar. You know, we used to talk about the dollar being as good as gold. Remember in the old, good old days, those over the age of 50 will remember, you know, the, the old saying that the dollar is good as gold. Does anybody think the dollar is as good as gold today? <laughs> when you see inflation just ravaging the economy, we are starting to see shortage of goods and services on the shelves. Uh, it is hurting our economy in a frontal way. Let me give you one example. I think I might have mentioned this last week, but I'm going to update this. So oil is now selling at $85 a barrel. $85 per barrel sold is the world price for oil. We are down 2 million barrels sold uh, or produced a day in the United States, 2 million less a day. Now, what's happening is 2 million times 85 is 170 million a day. $170 million a day we're losing because of this lunatic uh, left-wing climate change agenda. Uh, and that means $170 million a day is $1 billion, $1 billion a week or thereabouts. And it is $50 billion or thereabouts, $50 billion, not million, $50 billion we're losing a year because of this crazy, crazy, uh, you know, uh, fetish and obsession with climate change. And I'm not going to get into the science of climate change, what's happening with the planet. I'm simply here to tell you, but yeah, by the U.S. shutting off our energy production, that is not going to affect the temperature of the planet. Russia, China, India, Vietnam, uh, you know, even Europe, they're moving, moving towards more fossil fuels while we're shutting ours down in the United States of America. That does not put America first. I've said many times on this show that thanks to Donald Trump, we had arrived at a moment we had not seen in 75 years in this country where we were completely energy independent. That is to say, we were producing more energy under Donald Trump than we were consuming. Now, I want to save a few moments at the end of this show for taking your calls. Because I love that. I love hearing from you. This is Freedom of Speech Radio. I, and you know who I want to hear from today? I want to hear from some of my liberal friends. I want to hear from Democrats. I want to hear people from people who voted for Joe Biden. If you, if you voted for Joe Biden, honest to God, I want to hear from you. And I want you to explain to me if you think that these policies that we're putting in place right now are putting America first. If you do, I, I, I honestly want to hear a good explanation for why it makes sense that we should decapitate America's energy policy. By the way, there are about at least 5 to 10 million American workers in the oil, gas, and coal industry. We have hundreds of years of these resources, hundreds of years. We're not running out of this stuff. We have so much of it. You know, every time you st stick a spade in the ground in America, practically, you find oil, gas, and coal. We have the shale revolution that has, has made America the most bountiful place for energy in the world. Now, there's another pipeline that is being disassembled right now by the Biden administration. They want to cancel another. But this is a pipeline that already exists. It's the Michigan pipeline. They want to shut it down. And guess what? That pipeline provides natural gas for much of the Midwest and the United States. Now, I know a lot of you listening to this show are in New Jersey or Connecticut or New York, but we care about Michigan. We care about Missouri. We care about Illinois. We care about our country. If that pipeline is discontinued, then guess what? Home heating costs in the Midwest are going to go up by 25%.
and there are going to be supply disruptions. They're going to run out of energy in the middle of the winter. When I'm from Chicago, folks, it's damn cold in February, January, February. It gets below zero. And we're not going to have enough home heating fuel because of this crazy climate change obsession. And anybody thinks we're going to be able to you know, keep uh, the homes, the millions of homes in the Chicago area uh, warm in winter with, with windmills. Come on, you're, you're smoking something if you believe that. So this is a real life crisis we are facing. It's a man-made crisis, and I want to see a reversal of policy. Now, to people who voted for Joe Biden, tell me, do you agree with the policies? I know you don't like Donald Trump. I mean, I have my sisters who I love dearly. I have two sisters who uh, are great people, uh, wonderful Americans. They hated, they didn't like Joe, they didn't like Donald Trump. They didn't like him. So they voted for Biden. But you know, I can't tell you, folks, how many people I'm running to on the street right now or people call me and they say, you know what? I voted for Joe Biden because I didn't like Trump. I didn't like the guy. But you know what? I liked Trump's policies. I liked Donald Trump's policies. And so what we're getting with Biden is not just getting rid of Trump, but getting rid of all of Trump's great policies. We had the best economy ever under Trump. We were energy independent under Trump. We had the lowest poverty rate ever under Donald Trump. We had Operation Warm Speed, which gave us a vaccine that saved millions of lives under Donald Trump. And the reason for this, primarily two reasons. One is Donald Trump was a businessman. He understood how to run a, a, a large organization, how to meet a payroll, how to manage things and grow things like the economy, like a business. Nobody in the Biden administration has that uh, experience. None of them, not Pete Buttigieg, not Jennifer Granholm, not uh, 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 Kamala Harris. None of them understand anything about business. But here's the second reason I think the wheels have come off. This administration does not put America first. They don't. They just don't do it. They care more about, you know, the the climate change conference in Glasgow, Scotland, than they do what's happening here in the United States of America, where people are really suffering because of this inflation, which is hurting poor people the most. It's going to get worse it's before it gets better. We've got to kill this bill. This $4 trillion spending bill is the most outrageous, crazy, lunatic thing I have ever seen. It will make inflation much worse. It'll, it'll take inflation over 10%. Kill the bill. Save the country. All right. I'm Steve Moore. We're going to hear next from my friends uh, Ryan and Bob Payne to give you a market update about what's happening with the stock market and how to invest your money. We'll be right back. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, rising inflation, as per the CPI report, was clearly the top story. The consumer price index soared 6.2% year over year in October, the largest annual increase since November of 1990, a 31-year high. The report showed that while wages are rising at a 4.9% pace, inflation is running hot at a 6.2% pace, leaving workers with a 1.3% deficit as they struggle to keep up with rising prices. The stock market dropped initially on the news, but managed to recover most, if not all, the decline by week's end. The bond market also dropped as bond yields jumped amid increasing concerns about inflation. But unlike the stock market, it did not recover and finished down on the week. Now, bond prices move inversely to bond yields. 
and persistent inflation tends to push bond yields higher. Inflation rose more than expected in October. Moreover, it marked the sixth straight month of year-over-year inflation above 5%. If inflation doesn't prove transitory and subside, the Federal Reserve may have to taper their bond purchases at a much more accelerated rate and hike interest rates. A negative for bond prices and a short-term negative for stocks. So stay tuned. For now, the positives outweigh the negatives. Jobless claims fell to 267,000, a new pandemic-era low. Average hourly earnings are rising, and according to Dr. Scott Gottlieb, the former FDA commissioner, the new Pfizer antiviral pill signals the end of the COVID pandemic. If this drug is as effective as the trial, which reduced death rates and hospitalizations by 90%, COVID will be less of an issue than the seasonal flu. As the COVID pandemic winds down, more workers will join the labor force and help ease our supply chain measures. It may even, hopefully, lessen inflation pressures. Well, we'll see. Stocks finished the week with all the major indices near record levels. Not surprising since the best three-month stretch for stocks historically begins in November. Since their inception, the S&P 500 and the Dow have gained 3.4% on average during that three-month stretch. And there's no other period, comparable period in the year where they do as well. The NASDAQ does even better, a 6.3 average gain over that th- same three-month period. Now, inflation was clearly the top story this week, and it's a concern, but it's not a certainty. Nothing more than another brick in the wall of worry the stock market's been climbing all year long. Hey, my son, Ryan, and I, we have 47 years of combined industry experience of building low-cost, tax-efficient, goal-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, just text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Hey, it's Ryan Payne, Bob Payne, Payne Capital Management here on More Money this morning. Talking markets, economy, financial planning. And Bob, man, oh man, those inflation numbers, they were hot this past week. Way hotter than expected. Unbelievable. The Fed's been so wrong about inflation. What are you thinking here? Well, it's running at the 30-year high, right? That's how hot it was. The CPI came in at 6.2%. And it's almost like, I don't know, people haven't been listening to our radio show because we've been, <laughs> you know, like Paul Revere, you know, the inflation is coming, inflation is coming. Um, you know, stocks took it on the chin for a day uh, based on that information, especially tech stocks. But, um, you know, I think it's here to stay. I think we're going to have uh, a lot more inflation than people have anticipated, than the federal government's anticipated. And I think uh, a lot of investors are starting to wake up to got to have some hedges in their portfolio. Yeah, and it looks like it is a little bit of a surprise. I mean, look at the bond market. You look at interest rates. They moved up a little bit this past week uh, as the numbers came in better than expected. And I think that's something you have to be really careful about, right? Because we know inflation's out there. It wasn't a secret, even though a lot of us are a little shocked right now. The economists are a little shocked right now because they were wrong uh, about how high it was going to be. Um, but again, if interest rates start going higher, and I think they can here, 
this is where you've got to be really careful with your portfolio. And we've talked about how we don't like bond funds. We've talked about how long duration assets, like you mentioned, tech, they're very sensitive to what happens with interest rates. And that's something you have to be careful about here. I think higher interest rates are going to catch a lot of people off guard here, Bob, a lot of investors. You know, Riley, I love history um, and I love to teach history. So, you know, let's go back, way back in 1990, not all that long ago in my mind, but I guess for you, it might seem like a long time. But, you know, inflation was very hot back then. And, you know, the 10-year Treasury was yielding about 8%, where now it's yielding under 1.6. I mean, that's a huge, huge spread. And what about 30-year mortgages, right? 30-year mortgages are still, what, 3% now? Maybe 3.1? They were 10, you know, back in 1990. Well, so, you know, you got to be really careful here. Yeah, there is a big disconnect between interest rates and what's going on with inflation. And you're right. And this is something you want to be proactive about. You know, the other thing we said to be proactive about was don't sit in cash because look at this market, right? It just continues here to melt up. I mean, we're literally in a stock market melt up now and there's still a lot of cash on the sidelines that has to get funneled into this market. And if you start looking at it, man, oh man, profits, profits were just off the charts, Bob. This quarter so far, unbelievable. When we had almost forty percent growth year over year, companies are just crushing it right now. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that they're they're crushing it because they're able to pass these costs on, you know, to the end user, which unfortunately is you and I. Uh, so profits are really good. But you know, here's the thing that blows my mind: when we look at the CPI number, it excludes food and energy. Now, <laughs> I, <laughs> and I don't know about you, Rye. But my wallet is taking a bruising from food and energy right now. <laughs> How can you just say we're going to measure inflation, but let's just take out two of the most important components. You know, you pretty much drive every day and you eat every day. But, you know, what? that's not important. Just ignore those numbers. <laughs> I never understood that. Um, but if you factor those in, I mean, over 6% a year. And what's mind-blowing about that, Bob, is, and this is what we talked about, when you're sitting in cash and you're earning nothing on your money, you're actually losing now 6% in purchasing power. 6% guaranteed to mm. lose if you're sitting in cash, that's crazy. Now, that's insane, Ryan. I'll tell you what. When you have, you know, things are different. Things are changing right now. This is the first time in 30 years that we've seen inflation this high. You know, it's been spiking. We've been warning you about it. Um, you know, you go back when we had the oil embargo uh, many moons ago, and that only lasted for like four months, and the price of oil went through the roof, and we had gas lines. Um, I think uh, I think your uncles and I were – you know, selling pizza and newspapers and the gas lines back then, you know, to make a little extra money on the side. But, you know, you go back and you see what's happening with this supply chain disruption. It's been going on for a year and a half. I mean, so this inflation is going to continue and and, and there's and it's different now. So you're, you have to be different with how you treat your portfolio. You do because you do have inflation, but you also have, which is indicative of inflation, is a hot economy, right? I mean, if the market going up here is telling you that things are actually getting better, no matter what the headlines want to tell you, I mean, at this point, we just mentioned corporate profits are going through the roof. You're seeing a hiring frenzy right now, right? Unemployment numbers are coming down drastically as wages are going higher. If you looked at wages going up, it's like the best number we've seen uh, literally in, in over a decade. Um, well, go ahead, well, you know, right? You need wage. You need wages to go up to keep up with the inflation, right? So it's costing you more to live. You better make more. Um, so, and, and unfortunately for some workers, it's a zero sum game. Uh, that's why you got to be invested smart. You got to make sure that you have a hedge in your portfolio against inflation, and you can't be in what we call long duration assets. I mean, that's a fancy way of saying what, right? Don't own bond funds, Bob, and be <laughs> careful of tech, right? Have tech in your portfolio, but what we're seeing is an over concentration. 
in your portfolios in those hot, growthier parts of the market. That's the antithesis of where you want to be with inflation. And this is what we see every week. You know, we probably look at close to 50, 60 portfolios every single month. And we're seeing in your portfolios right now, and we talk about this, this is something we say every week, is you're not prepared for the inflationary environment we're going to be in for quite a while. And it's clear at this point, it's evident inflation is not transitory. And you know it's not too late, but you've got to start making those proactive moves in your portfolio. Well, you know, here's what happens, Brian. When you have inflation, right, there are different parts of the economy that do better than other parts of the economy. And the economy's reopening, right? The uh, pandemic is finally coming to an end, or there's there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So what you're seeing is is a rotation, you know, towards companies that benefit from the economy booming. You know, industrial stocks. You know, you also have material stocks, uh, financials like big banks. You know, when you have high inflation, other economies around the world do better, like the emerging markets. You know, Asia, uh, South America. Uh, these companies do much better. India. So, you, you know, you have to make sure that you're diversified in your portfolio, not overly concentrated, uh, because the thing, the fact of the matter is you're going to have different things do better when the market goes up. So what's happening now, we have all this liquidity that came in from the Federal Reserve. It's kind of trapped in the market. That's right. And it's going and feeding a gigantic bubble. We have this huge yes. bubble going on, and it's not the whole market. That's the thing. It's But when you talk to your friends, you talk to your neighbors, you talk to your kids – all they want to talk about is crypto and disruptive <laughs> technologies. You know, it's, it's well, you know, I can't find anybody yeah. that's talking about commodities and materials and energy. You know, energy yeah. stocks are only up 100% in the last 12 months. No, it's remarkable. And that's what's going on right now, right? There are bubbles being formed. Make no mistake. You know, they had this, <laughs> this coin, Shiba Inu, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, is up 447,000% this year. That's nuts. Uh, you know, I heard a great quote from uh, the chief global strategist for JP Morgan, David Kelly said, you know, cryptocurrency is a cult masquerading as a currency. And that's what it is. It's so pervasive, just like the housing bubble back in 08, 09, when everybody owned real estate, everyone was speculating. I remember talking to a waitress when I was down in Florida and she told me about the 10 properties she owned and she kept yeah. leveraging them. You're seeing the same thing happen now. And I think, Bob, what you have to think about is when the music stops, when the tide goes out, are you protected? And these are decisions you have to make today, right? You don't, when the tide goes out, you don't want to be swimming naked. And we see a lot of you right now are probably going to be swimming naked if you don't make the right adjustments in your portfolio. See, that's what I always say, right? It's like the best of times, but it's the worst of times, right? It's the best of times because U.S. household net worth is closing in on $160 trillion. I mean, real estate's going through the roof. The stock market's been booming. Our 401ks are higher. But what happens is that when some people come in to invest, they don't invest. They speculate, right? They gamble. And it gives investing a bad name because there's a big difference between investing and speculation, right? And speculation is something that we see that resides within the financial markets, but bubbles pervade society. Yes. And I mean, all you have to do is talk to, you know, talk to your kids or talk to your cousins. And, you know, they, they own Bitcoin, they own Dogecoin, they own this Shibu Inu. And they won't even take their cost basis out, right? They think it's going to go up forever. Well, nothing grows yeah. to the sky, last I checked. Well, the other mistake, Bob, I'm seeing is, and I'm having clients say this to me, like, hey, you look, the market's hot right now. Maybe we should take more risk. Maybe we should sell our conservative investments and get riskier here. And that's the worst thing you can do right now. It's so tempting when the markets are going higher to think I should be more aggressive. And as markets continue to go higher, what you're going to see is the likelihood of that desire to be even more aggressive. And you and I know you don't want to be more aggressive when everybody is bullish. It's dangerous. 
it's more important than ever to manage that risk. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like you need a game plan, you don't know what risk you have in your portfolio. If the market does sell off, we do get this bubble burst at some point. Are you protected? Well, here's your shot to do it. Bob and I, every weekend, we have 10 slots. If you have over $750,000 safe for retirement, we'll run for you our total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or call. We'll do that with no obligation or cost if you give us a call or text right now. We literally send us your holdings through our secure email server. We're going to look at everything for you. We're going to look at income. We're going to put together a full income plan for retirement. How are you going to draw from your portfolio? How do you take Social Security? We're going to look at diversification. Are you sitting with too much money in cash? Earning nothing right now as inflation goes higher? Or are you just way too aggressive? If the market sells off tomorrow, you're in big trouble. We're going to put together a full investment plan to help you grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over time. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you products with fees and taxes. We're going to show you how to reduce all the costs on your portfolio, minimize tax. I think taxes are going higher. Proactive tax strategies to put more money in your pocket. Tie it all together into our total financial master plan and determine, are you going to outlive your money? Or more importantly, is your money going to outlive you? Utilizing strategies now we've been working on now for over 45 years. And all you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. If you've saved over 750000 for your retirement, our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no cost. But there won't be a plan if you don't text or call. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. 6692 or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, the other thing I want to talk about today is, you know, we see a lot of financial sabotage, right? At our firm, Payne Capital Management, we manage over a billion dollars, over a thousand families. And, you know, what we find is a lot of times you're your biggest enemy. So I thought one thing we would talk about today too on the show is just a lot of what we're seeing right now that you're doing to shoot yourself in the foot when it comes to your financial planning, financial independence, and your retirement. You know, right? investing is hard enough, uh, and you don't want to have any kind of unforced error in your portfolio, in your strategy, in your thinking. You know, you got to think long-term, and I think what the biggest problem I see is we start to obsess, whether it's in a good period or a bad period, a bull market or a bear market, whether, you know, the market's up or down every day. So if you're looking at your, your account every day, that's not good, is it? Well, it's not good. And I think the other thing is if you're planning for retirement and that's a 20, 30 year journey, nothing that happens on a quarterly basis, I'd even argue almost on a yearly basis is significant when it comes to your portfolio. And I see this a lot now where I see clients that obsess over, well, this portfolio didn't do well over this three month period, this six month period. Who cares? If you're invested for 20 years and it's part of your longer term strategy, then it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. And I think right now, people are more razor-focused because you're like, well, the market's going up big. Is my portfolio going up big? More importantly, is your portfolio performing versus your goals? And that's what I think the biggest mistake is that a lot of investors make. That makes so much sense, right? You have to be process-driven, right? You have to be focused on the end in mind. And you know what? It's not your fault. You know, I watch the uh, financial propaganda channels every day uh, as I work in my office, and they had an economist the other, the other day, and he said, well, the long term's made up of all short-term moves. So if you don't get the short-term right, you can't get the long-term right. I mean, that's the most nonsensical thing I've ever heard in my life, but that's what they put out there as investment advice or planning advice. You've got to focus on the end in mind. It's much easier if you have that 
goal, right? Your financial goals as your North Star when it comes to making investment decisions. It's so important because I had a client say, hey, look, my bond portfolio is only up one or 2% this year, but the stock market's up over 25, 30%, depending on the market. And I said, that's great. If we put more money in the stock market, but then all of a sudden the market crashes and it goes down 40, 50%, you don't have those bonds in your portfolio. Is that a problem? And he said, wait a minute, go for wait it. a minute, right? Um, my municipal bond only paid me three and a half percent interest over the last 12 months. I mean, I could have had all my money in NVIDIA and made 60% in the last four weeks. I mean, why didn't you, why didn't you do that for me? I don't get it. <laughs> but that's what starts to happen. You start to get away from your discipline. And, you know, I made a good point. I said, look, we own these bonds because they pay all this current income. You know, even stocks, it's not about them going up 40, 50% in a year. It's about those dividend payments that come in consistently over time and put that in context of your goals. If you're going to live off your portfolio, you want to have something more reliable, like the income you know that's coming in every year, then I hope this year the market goes up. Uh, I hope this year the market doesn't go down. And that mentality is very, very dangerous. And I see a lot of it right now when you're putting together your financial independence plan. You're not focused on building the portfolio for your retirement, trying to get more return. And that's a dangerous game to play. You know what, Rye? I mean, it, you know, Making a return on your money is really important, right? You've got a net against inflation, especially with inflation raging right now. You've got to make sure your money's growing. But you also have to you know, look at your passive income streams, right? And the one passive income that everybody has eventually is Social Security. And you take that at the wrong time, that can be a multi-thousand, hundred-thousand-dollar mistake. It really can. And I think that's the point here. When you're thinking about good retirement planning, it's all about income, right? It's not about what the markets are doing. It's about how do you optimize for Social Security for your situation because everybody's different. I just ran Social Security's numbers for a client this past week and the wife, she's decided to stop working. She's 62 and her husband's going to continue to work and we looked at the numbers and if she waited to take Social Security uh, when her husband retires out full retirement 66, it would have taken her to age 81 to break even. And it's like, how lucky do you feel? We talk about this a lot, so it was better for her to take it early. But these are the questions you have to be asking. This is what it's all about. It's like, how do you optimize the income? And furthermore, how do you optimize income when your cost of living goes up over time? Because whatever you have coming in income today is not going to be enough in the future. You know, right? I found that the Social Security Department as a government agency actually does a really good job of answering questions when you can finally get them on the phone or, you know, telling you what you should do. The thing is, you don't know what the right questions are to ask. So they're, they may be giving you the right answer based on what you ask, but if you don't know what to ask, then you may end up claiming your Social Security improperly. And, and again, it could cost you. Yeah. Well, that's why, because the thing you have to be asking yourself right now, look, if you're trying to build your plan to be retired, financial independence, is you've got to start to identify is what do you actually spend, right? What does that need? Um, and then we can fill in that what we call that income gap because the paycheck stops you're living off your portfolio. Your cost of living is going to double over the next 20 years because of inflation. So it's not only about solving for that income today, optimizing the Social Security, the income on your portfolio, not the appreciation, the income, uh, and any other sources that you receive. And this is why you know we always talk about things like annuities, where there is no cost of living adjustment. That's a huge problem because that amount that comes in every year is worth half in 20 years. So these are all the things you have to address right now. You can't wait on this. And I think more than ever right now, as markets are crazy, going through the roof, you got to avoid all the noise, get down and get that income plan done correctly. And you know what? If you're thinking to yourself right now, you know, Ryan's right. I do need a financial strategy. I need a strategy based on my goals. And I deserve a tailored strategy that has the highest odds 
of helping me and my family meet those goals. Well, here's your opportunity. We're offering for the next seven callers our groundbreaking analysis. It's the most comprehensive review available. Actually, it's the only one of its kind that's available to you if you're not an existing client of some organization. Week after week, our reviews have revealed that you don't have a financial plan, that most of you have a collection of investments that were sold, not bought, annuities, mutual funds, individual speculations that have high cost or tax inefficient, and as a result, have a lower risk-adjusted return and have a low probability of helping you to succeed and meet your goals in your financial plan. You and your family are unique, and we take the time to learn about your unique goals, your unique needs, which is why we have to limit our offer every week uh, because this is a lot of work. And if you missed out last week, we're sorry, but here's your opportunity. Here's your chance. If you're one of our next seven callers and you've saved over 750000 for retirement, we'll create for you your own total financial master plan. And if you missed out last week, we're sorry, but here's your chance. If you're one of our next seven callers and you saved over 750000 for retirement, we'll create for you your own unique total financial master plan. Yeah, give us a call or text at 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. We still have seven slots left. If you have over $750,000 safe for retirement, there's not another firm on Wall Street, financial services industry, that will do this work up front at 844-752-6692. Call or text to take advantage of this offer. We only have seven slots left. So don't waste time. Give us a call or text at 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. We literally have seven slots left. If you have over $750,000 safe for retirement, at 844-752-6692. There's no other firm that will do this work up front. Our total financial master plan, take advantage from a fiduciary, certified financial planner, financial advisor at 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. This is Bob Payne, Ryan Payne. we got more money coming your way. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. Steve Moore here. Thank you to uh, Ryan and Bob Payne for their expert financial analysis. And by the way, I wanted to remind you, if you want to be one of the uh, 10 people who get a free master financial plan from them, don't forget to call or text. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692 if you want to get a free financial analysis from two of the best in the country in terms of uh, managing your money. Okay, I want to get right down to it. I want to turn to my good friend uh, and colleague, John Fund. Uh, He is going to tell us about what is happening with this god-awful $4 $4 trillion spending bill that is before Congress uh, and that the Democrats are trying to rush through. John, you know John Fund from National Review. You know him from the Wall Street Journal. You know him from uh, Fox News and Newsmax. He is everywhere in the media. He's one of the top political analysts in the country. John, thanks for much for joining us this afternoon. A pleasure. And you should also mention my brand new book, which is Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote uh, on Amazon and good bookstores everywhere. Well, John, I want to ask you about the status of this horrific bill that uh, Congress, uh, Nancy Pelosi, is trying to shove through the um, the Congress. And uh, this bill has one of the biggest tax increases ever, uh, one of the mass- massive increases in our debt. 
It would dismantle our energy policy. It would make inflation worse. And the big question everybody is asking is, do you believe that Joe Manchin and the West Virginia senator uh, and Kristen Sinema, who is from Arizona, the two who uh, really vocalize real skepticism against this bill, do you think that they are going to uh, bring this thing down? Uh, Joe Manchin said maybe we should kick this thing off until next year. Well, I have good news and I have bad news. And the good news is that it's not just Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema who are um, opposing parts of this bill. There's several other Democrats up for election, including Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire, who have grave reservations. They just don't want to get the fire of the AOC crowd trained on them. Uh, the, the problem the bill has is threefold. First of all, the progressives are going to wake up and realize that with the change in the SALT provisions, which basically limit the deductibility of state and local taxes on federal income taxes, this bill is a progressive nightmare. Uh, millionaires are going to get a tax break. Uh, most of the benefits of the tax benefits of this bill right now are going to go to people well up the income scale. And of course, some people in the middle class are actually going to see a tax increase. So that's a big selling problem with this bill. The second problem is um, the Senate parliamentarian, I think, is going to be emboldened, uh, given the chaotic nature of how this was drafted or written on the fly, uh, to rule a lot of things out. They call it the bird rule. If it's not part of the budget, if it doesn't change a budget number, uh, it's going to get thrown out. I think price controls on drugs might be a big example of that. And the third problem the bill has are the inflation numbers that you correctly pointed out uh, early in your broadcast are just horrible. In 26 days, Steve, we're going to get a new set of monthly inflation numbers. They're going to be worse than this last set. And Manchin has been complaining about inflation for weeks and months. I think this will further entrench him into his uh, opposition that this bill is probably inflationary as well as a lot of wasteful spending. The bad news is this. The Democrats aren't stupid, and they realize the worst possible thing that can happen to this bill is complete collapse and failure. So unless they're really incompetent, I think there's going to come a point. Maybe it's around Christmas. Maybe it's even the early part of next year where they'll strip the bill down. They'll take it down to eight hundred trillion billion, eight uh, one trillion and they'll pass something, anything to say that uh, they passed a large chunk of the Biden agenda. It'll help people. Uh, it'll subsidize a bunch of people and the declare victory, even though it's only a, a small part of what they wanted. That's John Fund. He is a uh, one of our editors of our Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline that comes out at each morning. You can read it in about five or six minutes, but it has some of the hottest news about what's going on with the economy, what's going on in politics. And if you're not getting it, folks, uh, go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity website. Just Google Committee to Unleash Prosperity and uh, just click if you'd like to get this hotline. And incidentally, unlike Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's $4 trillion spending bill, this one really is free. It costs you nothing. All you have to do is sign up for it. And we are happy to get it right to you and it'll be delivered right to your doorstep where that is your, uh, your email uh, every morning, five mornings a week. And John is the expert on the politics of this. So he is he is one of our invaluable um, contributors to that. John, I completely agree with you on your inflation analysis that given the bad news that we got in inflation this week, both the 
consumer and pricer uh, and the producer price indexes went way up unexpectedly high. Uh, this really, I think, contradicts the whole argument for this bill. I mean, if you print more money and you borrow more money and you have the government spend more money, obviously that is going to make inflation worse. I think it's almost laughable when we hear and the president himself say that, uh, oh, just, this is going to solve the inflation problem. I mean, if you believe that, you probably believe that uh, Al Gore uh, was the one who uh, invented the internet. I mean, these are false claims and they're preposterous claims and you don't have, a, have to have a PhD in economics to understand that. Now, John, before we go to our, our break, I wanted to ask you one other question. What about the House of Representatives? You know, there are 221, I think is the number of uh, Democrats in the House. There are at least 10 to 15 Democrats that are essentially in Republican districts. Do you think that Nancy Pelosi will get the votes she needs in the House to pass this uh, rancid bill? I don't think the bill as currently uh, written is going to go before the House because a House member is going to be asked, vote for this bill, even though the prospects of it passing the Senate intact are almost nil. Why would they take the political risk? Why would they take the political heat, especially if your district voted for Donald Trump? So I think at some point before it goes to the Senate, the House is going to revisit this bill and it is going to pass something that's dramatically slimmed down because members aren't going to they're, they're, they're going to lose some members if they try to push this current version of the bill. We are going to take a quick break. I'll be right back with my guest, John Fund from National Review, and you know him from the Wall Street Journal and uh, and so many other news outlets. I'm Steve Moore, economist. You're listening to More Money, and we will be back. It's More Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore, your host of More Money. We're on every Saturday at 1 p.m. and every Sunday at 4 p.m. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm talking to my good friend, John Fund. You know him from National Review. You know him from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, you know him from Fox News and Newsmax, one of the top political minds in the country. You get the, from me, the economics of this horrific bill. We have to kill this bill, folks. We have to save our country. We have to kill this $4 trillion spending bill. Larry Kudlow is uh, absolutely right about that. I think it'll make inflation much worse. I think it'll make our country poorer. I think it'll make us more dependent on Saudi Arabia and Russia and other countries for our energy. I think it'll do great damage to our small businesses that would have to pay tax rates as high as 50%. Can you believe that? 50 to 60% tax rates. And my friend Grover Norquist at Americans for Tax Reform put out a report showing that if you live in New York or New Jersey, as many of you listening to this show do, you're and, and you make uh, you have a business with a million dollars of profits, guess what? You're going to pay tax rates of as high as 62, 63, 64, 65%. Two-thirds of your profits will be taken away by government. That is not America, folks. This is an un-American bill. There, I said it. It is un-American to tax people at that rate. I don't care if you're a millionaire, billionaire, trillionaire, whatever you are, the government should never take more than a quarter of your money. I believe. I think we should have a 20% flat rate income tax like Steve Forbes talks about. But John, I want to talk more about where, where you've, you, you've been looking at a lot of the polling on this state, this bill. What do, we've talked about what, the, what you think might happen in the Senate, what might happen in the House. The American people seem to be turning against this bill, are they? 
Well, if you ask people, do you support the president's plan? Support has gone from about 60 down into the high 40s. But more importantly, um, even though if you pull individual components, like do you want family paid family leave, um, that's popular. But if you ask people overall, do you think this bill is going to help you or your family? Just over a quarter of Americans believe it will help them. An equal or greater number believe it will hurt them. The rest aren't sure or are mixed. And that is not enough public support to pass a transformative, sweeping, Godzilla version of this bill. You know, I'll tell you something else, John, people are really angry about right now is this vaccine mandate that uh, Joe Biden is uh, is trying to foist upon small businesses. And it's just a killer for our factories, our manufacturers, our construction companies. Uh, When you when you've already got a labor shortage, uh, I've seen studies that show as many as a quarter to a third of people who haven't been vaccinated would quit their job before they'd be forced to vaccinate. Now, I'm for vaccinations. I think, uh, you know, uh, people over the age of 30 should be vaccinated. I think it's insane that we're vaccinating children, by the way. I think that's a really dangerous thing to do. But for people over 30, especially people over the age of 50, like I am, it makes sense to be vaccinated. But how do you read this one? Do you think that uh, I know I think the court has uh, has uh, intervened against this. They have not made a final ruling. What do you see as the outlook for this crazy vaccine mandate? Well, this is a regulation using the OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, to declare an emergency at workplaces that people have to be vaccinated. But if it's an emergency, why in the world are they delaying until January 4th? Um, The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans has ruled that uh, this is an overreaching mandate. It's Mm -hmm. unconstitutional. They put a halt to it. Obviously, it's on a rocket docket to the Supreme Court. I do not believe the Supreme Court will uphold the mandate. And I think this is a case where Joe Biden once again decided to shoot himself in both feet and then proceed up his body to shoot other parts of his body unnecessarily because he overreached and and will end up disappointing progressives because he couldn't get the job done. So it's uh, it's very interesting because I've talked to people who own factories and construction companies. Uh, I've talked to people who have um, warehouses, and they tell me that they will not they will not do this, John. They they say that they will uh, ra- they would rather shut down their facility than force their workers to get vaccinated. And they've asked. I've talked to three or four major employers, and they said. They have they have asked their employees what you think, and the employees are with with the employers. They think it's outrageous that the government is requiring this uh, of their employees. And by the way, even the employees who have been vaccinated think it is, is incredibly unfair and incredibly unconstitutional. Remember the Constitution? We have a Constitution, folks. The government doesn't have the right to tell you that you have to be vaccinated to get a job. Uh, so that's really, you know, something that I think is going to be a big problem, both constitutionally, legally and politically for uh, the Biden administration. But in the last minute or two we have left, John, I wanted to ask you about this tape that you showed me earlier this week of Jennifer Granholm. Now, for those of you who don't know Jennifer Granholm, she is the energy secretary. Uh, she knows nothing about energy, but she is our energy secretary, just like uh, Pete Buttigieg knows nothing about transportation, but he is our transportation secretary. You can't make this stuff up. They put incompetent people in charge of these various agencies. But she was caught laughing when she was asked by Bloomberg, 
What are you going to do about the higher prices of gasoline? Gasoline prices are up a dollar thirty over last this time last year. So that means you're paying about twenty bucks more every time you fill up your tank, thanks to Joe Biden. This seems to me, John, to be a big political and an economic problem for Joe Biden when they're laughing at high gas prices. It wasn't a good look. And Jennifer Granholm then proceeded to blame everything on OPEC and oil cartels. When Look, we know two facts for sure. Uh, by 2019, we had achieved energy independence in this country. We were producing more energy than we were consuming. Uh, energy independence is something that presidents have been seeking for 50, 60 years. We finally did it with an all-of-the-above approach. And that includes some alternative energy as well. And yeah, then, John, I couldn't yeah. agree more. I mean, we should have all of the above energy. We're not running out of oil, gas, or coal. We have more of this stuff. We have hundreds of years of fossil fuel energy in this country, uh, thanks to the shale revolution. And so the idea that we should not use our energy and we should import it from countries that hate us, like Iran and Iraq and, and uh, Saudi Arabia and the Russians, I think is the most cockeyed idea I have ever heard. John Fun, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, I hope to have you back soon, folks. Um, I want to just in the minute that we have left, give you the more mini, more money minute economic lesson, which is simply this. If you produce less energy, which we're doing now, we're producing less oil and gas in this country. What happens to the price of energy? Obviously, it goes up. We have high demand for energy and we have lower production. That means two things. We have to import more from countries that hate us and we have to see a higher gasoline price. I believe, and I hope I'm wrong about this, that we will see a gas price very soon in New York and other parts of the country that exceeds $5 a gallon and may go to $6 a gallon. Thank you, Joe Biden, for making America dependent on foreigners when we should be producing our own oil and gas and selling it rather than buying it from the rest of the world. That's my message for the day, folks. Don't forget, uh, save our country, kill this bill. That's the highest priority for our country. I'll be back same time next week. Thanks for listening to More Money. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.